Um, when I when we chose this passage to kick off our worship services for the month of March a few weeks ago, I did not know how appropriate it would be. Not seen the world as a whole this scared before. And uh, it's an interesting time. I told my kids to pay attention. They're living through a moment in history. And we have to think deeply about what it means to be um, close to God when something like the coronavirus happens. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where will my help come from? Who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and your... Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So... God and the coronavirus. Um, Do this with me. Put your hands up. Okay. We will keep our eyes open, our ears open, but try not to touch them. We will keep our spit to ourselves and wash our hands often and well. And we will keep our feet planted on the solid rock. Uh, God gave us, he, he built into us a sense of fear to keep us safe, but we are not slaves to fear. And in a world that's, that's gripped by fear right now and shutting down, all of us will be impacted in some way, whether it's physically or financially, um, politically, our travel abilities. It, it's going to be a different world. It's a different world today than it was last week. For sure. But these hands again, I'm pretty sure that we will be called to serve in some new ways in the coming days. So keep them clean, keep them to yourself, but get ready because I think God is calling us to serve in a world that's afraid. Um, We have, as a church, we've made some changes uh, in response to the You've heard this phrase probably a thousand times by now, like I have this rapidly evolving situation. So we're going to sanitize a lot more, more surfaces more often. We've changed the way we're doing Lord's Supper this morning uh, to refrain from passing things person to person. Um, We'd ask that if you're sick, uh, stay home, call 811. Also let us know so that we can pray for you and if there's ways that we can help and work together, we can do that. Um, and then just stay posted because things, as they change, we may have to go to a live stream. We're investigating what that would entail. We'll be ready to do that here in the next week or so. Um, but just know that we're thinking hard and praying about it as a congregation to how to be, um, I think, smart like snakes and innocent like doves. That was Jesus' advice, right? We'll be smart and faithful. Uh, let me explain communion and the giving now, and then we'll carry on in worship. So we're going to sing one more song, and then John Casella is going to come and preside. 
when he's done presiding, he'll say the prayers and then we'll sing a couple songs. During those songs, you can get up freely and go and uh, partake of the emblems. They're all individual. There's a, there's a, uh, the bread is also in a cup and then the grape juice is in a cup. So go and take those. Uh, also, there are boxes located close to the uh, communion tables uh, if you have your giving ready. So whether that's a check or the envelope with cash, uh, that's the place and the time to do that today. Uh, we'll do that, though, after John presides and while we're singing. So let's stand again together and continue in worship. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Praise him, Lord of all. So many of us are thinking about the coronavirus, and we are thinking about the unknown. Like, what could happen? Are there, will people die? Will we die? And it leads us to the story that we're going to talk about Jesus today. Because he too faced death. But it was not the potential of death, but the absolute guarantee of death. And during this time of trial, of anxiety, he turned to God, to spend time with God, to draw strength from God. So let us turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36, to read this account. Darcy has been reminding me in presiding class that it's very important to make it obvious that we are reading the Word of God when we're up here. So let's start verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, went up onto the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he's about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men stand with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. We actually have this account in three different Gospels, both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and not John. There's a little bit of differentiation between the three accounts, which is actually fairly common with a historical event, that you'd have multiple witnesses and multiple accounts of it. We are largely going to be focused on how Luke tells a story, but at times we will refer to the other Gospels also. So first of all, what happened? We're told, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. So Jesus was transformed. Suddenly he came from his usual self 
to a bright light, and he was transformed. But the disciples who were also experiencing the situation experienced it slightly different. In Mark chapter 9, verse 6, it reads, He did not know what he was saying. They were so frightened. For the disciples, when they saw God, they experienced fear. The way I see it is God is kind of like a giant x-ray machine at times. That when we draw close to him and experience him, the inner self, who we really are, is going to become very obvious and clear. For Jesus, being perfect, God's light shone perfectly through him. The disciples, who I relate with much more, my fear and my shortcomings will come through. Which is actually very common experiences with God. For like John in Revelations 1.17 says, He fell down in fear. Isaiah 6.5 reads, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Don't be surprised that if you experience God, that you might suddenly become very aware of your shortcomings and who you are. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But let's continue with our story now. Verse 30. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. What? I thought we were talking about experiencing God here. Why are Moses and Elijah here? There's much conversation about that, of why Moses and Elijah showed up in this event. One of the more common ones is what they represent. Moses, being the great lawgiver, represents the law. And Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of Israel, represents the prophets. And in Jesus' day, they often referred to the scriptures as the law and the prophets. So God has shown here that the law and the prophets endorse Jesus. But I think there could be more to it, too. If we continue reading in verse 31, they spoke about his departure, which he is about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. What do Moses and Elijah and Jesus have in common? They all faced a miraculous death, if you want to call it that. Moses went up to the mountain to be with God, saw the promised line, and then was no more. as part of God's plan to bring the Israelites from the desert into the promised land. Elijah went on a walk, was caught up with a chariot of fire, went up into heaven. As part of God's plan, he passed on the mantle of his prophet office to Elisha. They too were there now to encourage Jesus as he too was facing his death. His time of suffering as part of God's plan was now coming true. And Elijah and Moses are there, comfort him in that. But continue, the story gets even better. Verse 34 and 35 read, While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. God the Father affirms Jesus in this experience with him. They vary in the accounts. Mark is much shorter and he says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Matthew, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
And Luke puts it, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Doesn't that sound great? Would you not want to see God and have everything of you revealed, but still God affirm that he loves you and that you are the one he has chosen? That's something I desire and I wish to have, and I hope you do too. But there are ways that we can have that. We often learn about this in discipleship. It's three circles, right? So whenever you're discipling someone, there's three people who need to be involved for the discipleship to happen, the experience of transformation. The top, we have God's part. Then, of course, we have my part. And then we have your part. And every spiritual experience, that's what we have in the center, is that experience. The timing is not just ours. All three parts have to work together for us to experience God. So but there are some ways to do that. We jump back up into verse 28. Actually, thank you. Jesus said this. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. Well, that's an obvious way to connect with someone, right? Do you feel closest when someone, when you're talking with them and having a good conversation? God is no different. Prayer is a great way to connect with him. But I don't know about you, but I struggle with communication. I find it hard to talk with people, especially when I'm laying my soul bare and communicating with them. And you're choosing the right words to say. And prayer is no different for me. Prayer is hard. But I have found there are some ways to make prayer better. One is using God's word, the scriptures. One of the dangers when you're trying to connect with God using the scriptures is you can get distracted because there's so much good stuff to read, so many fun things to learn and interesting facts that you forget that when you're studying the scriptures, it's not to learn things. It's to know and learn God through that. There's also meditation, which helps to focus our mind while we're trying to approach God. There are many different definitions of meditation. I don't know how much you've experienced or how familiar you are with it. The thing I like to think about in meditation is percolation. Allowing the thoughts and words of God and the Spirit of God to go through my mind and transform me as it does. It keeps going through. And as it goes through, just like the water goes through the coffee grounds, it picks up the flavor of God every time it circulates through again and again and again until I get the perfect understanding of who God is. Not only when we're meditating, but we can also spend times of words of affirmation or adoration to God, of worship. I often think of singing songs, reading psalms, words of praise from the scripture. The danger with that is who doesn't enjoy a good song? Who doesn't love a good tune? That sometimes when we're worshiping God, we get distracted by the music and not what we're trying to do, and that is to connect with God. Speaking of distraction, fasting is another good way to help clarify ourselves while we're praying. 
to give up the temporary for the eternal. Here in Calgary, a lot of us claim we're busy. We're too busy for God. And in some ways, I think we're probably right. We live a very busy lifestyle here. But maybe we need to give up some of the temporary where we can experience the eternal, to actually connect with God better. I have heard that a blind person often can hear better than those of us who have sight. That in some ways we compensate for that which we lose with our other senses. And I think with fasting, especially physical fasting, our body sometimes compensates our soul and our spirit by when we cannot no longer are focused on the food that we can actually hear God better and the spiritual reality that's around us that has always been there. I don't want to miss out on also on this story. In verse 28, it says that they went up to the mountain to pray. I do not know what to do with that. Is Jesus trying to teach us to go up to a physical mountain, to jump in your, tra- your car, drive out to the Rockies and climb up to the mountain to be closer to God? Or is it merely more that he withdrew from the distractions around him for a time to focus and to hear from God? More like going into the closet to pray. In some ways, I don't think it really matters. Whatever works for you, for you can have a time of experience in God. Do that. So if you do these five activities, it's going to increase your chances of seeing God and experiencing him. So what do we do with that after? What is going to be your game plan after you experience God better? Let's learn from what Peter says. In verse 32 it says, And Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. Our first response is if we have an amazing experience with God or with anyone, we want to put it in a box, put it in a capsule, but we can return back to that experience. We cannot be like Peter there. Every experience with God must be new every time. We cannot put up a shelter and return to it again. But what we can do is what follows in the story here. In verse 34, so while Peter was trying to figure out a solution to respond to this experience, God steps in and says, A cloud appeared them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. God has a plan. And the reason that he reaches out to us and we get to experience in him is because he wants to accomplish that plan. And that's to give us fresh energy for accomplishing his plan. So don't think that you need to find the solution to the experience or know how to react to it. God will give you the directions of what you need to do next. But that is all going to be about timing. As we read in the story at the beginning, it says, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James up. This isn't just going to happen at any time. You cannot just go home immediately this afternoon and experience God better. 
we said of the three circles, all three will have to work together for you to experience God. But in Peter's experience, eight days earlier, he had a mountaintop experience of his own. He had asserted that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. So when we step out in faith and have a mountaintop experience, it's not unlikely that a few days later, God will respond giving us a higher mountaintop experience in which we be, he becomes more real to us after that time. But we do not want to forget that sometimes it's a mountaintop experience and sometimes it's in the valleys. That when we are at a period of suffering, of challenges in our life, that that is when God's going to be more real to us than any of the other experiences. So we must still seek him at all times. It will not be easy. It will require patience. But it will change you. And it will be worth it. We've just finished talking about a mountaintop experience with God. But I don't want to forget, like I said, the valley's experiences. Sometimes God will come in powerful flashes of light. But sometimes he doesn't. Elijah had a similar experience of God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it says he went up to the mountain to see God. And as he was up there, there was a massive earthquake. The ground shook. But there was no God. Then there was a big flash of light, and there was fire burning. And there was no God. And then there was a soft whisper. And God was in that whisper. So sometimes... God will be up on the, ma- the mountain in the flashes of light and the tremendous experiences. But sometimes he'll be in the super quiet, the things that we cannot hear unless we pay close attention to it. That could be where God is. So as we seek to experience God, remember the entire spectrum and find him there. Lord, I thank you that you want to be with us, that you have sought us, even though we are not worthy of you, but you have sought to have relationship with us. Lord, I ask that you'll make yourself new to us today and the days that follow. And Lord, give us hearts to follow you and give us the courage to the actions we need to find you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.